You've got a, a, a yes. I, I think more underworld yeah. USA. In yeah, underworld yeah, yeah, USA, yeah. there's a lot of ambiguity mm-hmm. about. Yeah, yeah, movie. like there's almost, but to the main character, there's almost like a Bondurant style quality, and yes. there's like a mysticism present, and that's what I'm saying, like the obsessiveness and the mysticism and the psychosexual paranoia. Yeah, that's like somehow worked up into the like infrastructure of, in the case of to live and die in L.A you know, the, the United States and, um, I mean the same in underworld Mm -hmm. USA, but in these different kind of institutions and like, I, I think Petevich is, is, uh, I got kind of lost in the weeds. (laughs) We were talking about this, but he, but he's like Wamba to Elroy loves. We've talked a lot a little bit that they're both guys who are actually cops or actually agents. It's this like slightly realist aspect of these guys, even though on another level, it has nothing to do with realism. Sorry, yeah. Gorgonzola. No, you're right. Um, the 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 uh, the landscape or the the canvas of To Live and Die in L.A. the the Los Angeles of the movie is a like a mystical um, landscape. It's not uh, it's not necessarily reality, and it's certainly yeah. it's certainly a funny title for the the movie itself uh, because. What we actually get out of the Los Angeles of the movie isn't particularly. I, I, I'm not saying that it's unrecognizable as Los Angeles, but there's not like a ton that you would say like this is like a gritty, realistic look at what yeah. Los Angeles is really like. No, LA no. is just this uh, this concept. Yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. this uh, for this drama to to play out, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of markers of it being, um, uh, you know, something something mystical or even uh you know like a, like it's like some kind of mystical vision of la yeah uh and and you get that at certain points in the movie uh where reality kind of bends a little bit uh, i'm thinking of there's like a very like uh compelling chase scene that i that i think is somewhat the centerpiece of the movie uh and uh, and they're on the freeway and the logic of the freeway is backwards where like uh, you know, right and left are reversed. And that seems like that was a deliberate, we know that's a deliberate choice on Friedkin's part for whatever the reason, but that hints at this being some kind of like upside down or mystical uh, landscape or, uh, over which this drama takes place with the meaning of which, uh, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't be able to explicate as well, uh, but, um, you know, but so there's that mysticism there, like there would be in uh, in, in Elroy's work, I think. Yeah, it's like the primary land, the primary landmark of Los Angeles is like it's sort of nest of freeways, and the scene that we're talking about, like the huge uh, car chase. Not only did they film it on reverse sides, but also uh, their. Um, the the main character is Chance and his Vukovic, his partner, they're driving the wrong way, you know, towards oncoming traffic. And so that's kind of like an inverted sort of, you know, taking, following along with the sort of mysticism thing, you know, the sorcery, to borrow from his earlier movie, Sorcerer, the sorcery of it is a kind of inversion of the natural flow of, the city of angels. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting to think uh, that he named um, that that movie "Sorcerer" because there's a. It's not. It's not clear. You know what? That that was part of the confusion. I think uh, yeah, for for viewers, they thought it was, was going to be yeah. like a movie about wizards, but 
Uh, there, there is a there is a truck in the movie that they that they brand as sorcerer. Yeah. But why he would name that movie that it, is especially because it was a, a remake of uh, Clouseau's The Wages of Fear, uh, which is an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys get to watch it, and I think maybe we should do like a sorcerer Wages of Fear thing. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I, it's which was based itself on a novel, um, but I always thought that was strange because it is it is very close to the source material mm-hmm. while still being as good, if not better, than the source material. I love Wages of Fear too. I'm not a total person who did. Everybody who loves and knows Sorcerer has should know that the Wages of Fear exists. Yeah. I do mm-hmm. think that like Sorcerer is probably better, um, but uh, you should know the Wages of Fear exists and you should check it out. Um, but it is so strange that like the Wages of Fear, the title, it's so explicitly close to what Sorcerer is about. Yes. Like I'm, I'm just surprised by Sorcerer. It's such a strange. It's a bizarre title. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you think about the title, makes sense if you you know following along with the mysticism of Friedkin. So what is uh, essentially the premise? Is there you know embarking across this you know rugged, impenetrable, in horrible terrain in South America? to dump a bunch of nitroglycerin on, like, an oil fire. So essentially what you're having is this sort of natural chemistry of the earth being fought with the sort of, like, artificial chemistry of, you know, man. So essentially, you know, the so the sorcery at the core of it is, you know, an alchemical rite, you know, getting real esoteric hours up in this <laughs> motherfucker. So it's you have basically man, man's chemistry, man's alchemy, fighting against the natural processes of the earth. So that's where I see the sorcery coming from. It's interesting. I I like that in terms of uh, maybe you can follow up on this, uh, but the on, on in terms of the alchemy note, the wages of fear. It's obviously about mm-hmm. money. Yeah. You know, it's a reference to the money that these guys uh, are yeah. trying to make to escape this this kind of purgatory they're in. And sor- sorcerer is then a nod to that same kind yeah. of right alchemical quality well, that then is more explicitly talked about in To Live and Die in L.A. Exactly. In terms of money, which again, like the wages of fear. Yeah. Sorry, it bring. all it all comes well because it's like. You can always look at these directors' work as, like, a string of, you know, statements about, you know, similar thing. So, basically, the essence of counterfeiting is a kind of modern version of alchemy. So, what was currency? You know, let's take a long way back. Currency back in the day, you were a farmer, and you would either, you know, bring a bunch of oxen or bring a bunch of grain to the bartering place or the marketplace. But of course, over time, that's a pain in the ass. You don't want to freaking bring all like these, you know, pounds of grain, all of these oxen every time you want to barter something. So what you would do is you would go to an exchange, and at this exchange you would be like, alright, these ten oxen are the equivalent of this many coins or whatever. And the coins were always used with precious metals, you know, gold or silver, because, you know, have to have like a value an intrinsic value to it and so then over time these coins this gold and the silver 
they became represented, so it became a representation of a representation with banknotes. You know, back in the day until, I think, what was it, the 1930s or 1960s, you know, we had a gold standard in this country, <laughs> and every every banknote was basically had an equivalent amount of gold to it. They changed it to a fiat currency, where basically it was sort of like the government saying, all right, just sort of believe us when we say $5 is worth $5. And in fact, to the point where, you know, if you, if you think about it that way, like the, you know, inscription in God we trust, it kind of places like this weird sort of like sacred, like sacrosanct aspect mysticism to this fiat currency. And so retying it back around, the whole essence of alchemy was the transubstantiation of base metal, like iron or whatever, into gold. If you could do that, you know, you're set. You don't have to fake, you don't have to counterfeit this mm -hmm. gold, any, counterfeit this gold anymore. You could literally just make gold. And so within this context of fiat currency, where there's no necessity for this gold anymore, a counterfeiter who's able to turn just, I don't know, like random paper and like whatever computer program you have to like create, you know, the dollar, like the dollar bill face, you're able to basically turn that into real currency that you can use. And so taking the mystical aspect of that further, what the secret service agents in this country are sort of tasked with is like defending like the coin of this realm from any sort of forces that kind of deign its authenticity. And and mm -hmm. the and in this movie, the Secret Service agents are chasing somebody who um, is I don't know. There, there's something supernatural about the way that uh, the counterfeit the counterfeiter in this movie. His name happens to be Rick Masters, Masters. Yes. Play, played yeah. by played by Willem Dafoe. The way that he's been able to elude, uh, you know, I guess you could call it capture, you know, mm -hmm. process, you know, uh, arrest and prosecution. Has, he's he's been able to do this in sort of this mysterious and supernatural way. Like there's uh, there's some, you know, there's some 